You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. In the know, non-stop Vikings talk, it's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. All right, how are we feeling? Happy New Year. How? We, what time did you get out of that stadium last night, Jack? I think I was dry. I think I got in my car at 11.57. Oh, that's not too bad. No, 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 no. So I, I actually rang in the new year downtown. In your car. I think I was going through a stoplight. Yeah. 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 And and the only thing I <laughs> By saw. By Bobby that, and that, Steve's? Is that where you That was. No, I was going down 7th Street. And the only thing I saw that was a, a problem was um I had a green light and there was an ambulance that came screaming through. And so I had to jam on the brakes. But besides that, there were no uh, there were no uh New Year's Eve driving problems, which I'm thankful for. So you really almost you almost spent the New Year's uh, at HCMC. It sounds like if I if slammed on the brakes, I, it was coming through. It, it you know no, I was fine, but I did slam on the brakes to where the car like stopped weird because I slammed them on so so hard. But but you know what? That's because I wasn't drinking. I was right. I was on top of my driving game. Oh, I was uh, texting with a friend who said uh, they were. They were, so they were in town for the game. It's a mutual friend of ours. It should go, shall go nameless. And so I said, so where did you ring in the new year? And uh, he said, I was actually at uh, a comedy club last night, ringing in the new year. I said, oh, did they just rerun the first half of the Vikings Jaren, offense in that game? The Jaron Hall stand-up bit? That was awesome. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, here's me rolling out on a third and one. Not sure why we're throwing yeah. throwing the ball on third and one here. but uh, Here's Johnny Vaughn tipping, tipping the pass. Yeah. Hey, Johnny, don't tip that pass. <laughs> Oh my god. So so yeah, this is uh this is day one of the 2024 Purple Daily season here. And uh we'll start you off with our hottest Vikings takes, and then uh, we'll hit you with a pie chart of blame. But a shout out to our friends at Quick Trip before we get into these hot takes, Judd. I had a great time throughout the holiday week there, bouncing around. We were road tripping, we were we went skiing at one point. I've never skied before, I didn't die. I was never very skied? happy. No, never Even in my I've life. I've skied, I think, uh, in eighth grade. Okay. I think we I, cross-country I, skied in junior high one Oh, time. yeah, no, I did some downhill very I, – I was not good, and I, I quickly abandoned ship. But uh, I'm surprised you've never strapped on the skis like as a kid. Yeah, a supreme athlete like me. Uh, yeah. Found a new sport. But uh, yeah. we hit like three, maybe four different quick trips on our ventures to uh, load up on snacks and fuel. It was phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking, we're talking gasoline. We're talking, as you just said there, uh, snacks, a ton of stuff. But what if I was to tell you that there's also a hidden treasure at the quick trip, Phil Mackey, and that is the full offering of chicken options. Now, I don't have time to go through them all because there are so many because quick trip also is your headquarters for a breakfast, lunch or dinner convenient as can be chicken tenders. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about chicken tenders, hand breaded, Huge and jumbo, three or eight piece, uh, perfect for a quick, easy lunch or dinner prepared fresh daily. Also, chicken sandwiches, and how about this, near and dear to your heart, boneless wings. So don't forget, Quick Trip is your one-stop shopping for anything that you might need, including breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Thank you, Quick Trip, for supporting Purple Daily. 
Would you like to lead off with your hottest Vikings take since I have the pie chart later on? Sure. Sure, I will. Sure, I will. Um, all right. Big picture, but off of the entire season, which which at least the home schedule is now complete. This is the Vikings' most disappointing home record since they moved indoors into the Metrodome 41 years ago, 1982. This is the most disappointing. And let me back that up with some facts, as the kids like to say, okay? Was so, this their worst record? Well, I'll get to that. This team, okay. first of all, first of all, this team is coming off an eight and one year. Eight and one at US Bank Stadium, Kevin O'Connell's first year, okay? They are going to, or they finished it now, two and six. They won two home games. Two home games. Um, the only season since they moved in indoors. So this is not a US Bank Stadium. This is an indoors thing. The only season worse than this was a one and seven finish at home in the debacle of 2011, which was a three-win team. All right. Uh, besides that, 2020. Uh, three and five, 2006, three and five, 84, another three win team, a debacle, two and six, and 83, second year in the Metrodome, three and five. Mm. But the point is that this team won two games at home. And like, that's a non starter. That's not, you know, you can't be this bad at home, especially with, with a team that traditionally has felt it has a strong home field advantage. So I think it's safe to say, given the expectations, all right? Like 2011 was coming off 2010, which was just a disaster. But even the 2010 Vikings in the Metrodome went four and four. Um, this is, for expectations, the most disappointing season in 41 years of home football for a team that, like, I just started to look at this two weeks ago or so. The home stuff? The home stuff. It's, it's weird. awful. It's awful. It is weird. It's At, awful. It makes me uh, – so the pie chart is done. It's cooked, and we have all the slices. It kind of makes me want to throw the fans in there because I don't know if you – you you didn't hear the, the broadcast last night. And I hate – I generally hate, uh, you know, browbeating on fans because the te- it's up to the team to right. perform, and then the fans can create the atmosphere off the team's performance. It's not Absolutely. up to the, the fans to necessarily carry a team – but uh, we have seen that before. But uh, Chris Collinsworth made a couple comments when the Packers jumped out ten nothing. He he commented on how quiet it was. He's like, "Boy, these fans yep. are these fans know. are doing a good job of they. I guess they they understand how to keep it quiet when the Vikings run offense." But he was kind of being sarcastic, yep. and they were showing shots of the crowd. And we all know what this is like. Not only Vikings fans, but all other Minnesota sports teams. There is that feeling because we've been tormented for thirty years. We haven't won a major men's championship since 1991. So we we can all kind of sense when some, when, when a season or a game is going sideways, mm-hmm. you come in hopeful, but then the other team punches you in the face and you're down 10 nothing. Mm-hmm. And we aren't always the greatest at just cheering through the early deficit. When the Packers are up 10 nothing, well, we tend to just kind of sit in our seats and just kind of stew, right? Well, and, and that's pa- what happened last night. And, and the Packers fans, and... You know, breaking news: Packers fans got into our stadium. Yeah. Uh, but but Packers fans, because of how the game was flowing, too, you know, had the "Go Pack Go" chant going strong. I just I felt like there was. It's funny. I felt the team and the fan base last night reflected each other was just with this sort of recognition of this is over. Work. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. It just felt like 
it felt like there was a lethargic nature about the team and the fan base. And, and, you know, once we got past God bless him, Kirk O'Chains, right. Takes the shirt off place, goes nuts. That was really cool. Gallahorn gets blown. You know, after that, it's like the game started the Packers, uh, the Packers go three and out. But if you recall that Jordan love missed a pass badly, oh, he had a guy yeah. wide open for what could have been a touchdown. It was probably a, a 40 yard game. And so the Packers punt, the Vikings get the ball, same exact thing. And from there on, Phil, it just felt like there was this, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to work again. Yeah. And when, but still, when, you're playing the Packers at home. It's fr- I mean, two and six at home. Yeah. I, and I, and you guys did the picks episode and I sort of uh, radioed in my pick and I said, mm-hmm. Packers, I feel like the Packers are going to win this game. And, but then when Kirko came out, and you could, and you were in the building. I was watching on TV. I was, I, I took in some of the pregame stuff, but like the electricity in the building, it felt like I, I was, I was almost going to text you and Declan and be like, "Can I change my pick?" This feels like, boy, the yep. Packers are missing some weapons, and but I don't know the the in addition to just like the home debacle that you outline here, it feels like there's never been a bigger gap between where the Packers, Lions, and Bears are going and the question hovering over the Vikings. Like those, you can, no, we can poke holes and say the Bears are going to, Justin Fields isn't the guy, maybe they switch franchise quarterbacks, but the Bears have red hot momentum. They've won like five out of six or four out of five. The Packers are getting better and have found a franchise quarterback. The Lions are the clear-cut best team in this division. And the Vikings are sitting here and they've had injuries and obviously Kirk Cousins going down is a right. huge reason, but like he's a free agent. Daniel Hunter's a free agent. Yep. It just kind of feels like I don't I don't blame, and I don't know that this is what fans were thinking about, but I don't blame fans for watching that game last night and thinking existentially, what is our place in this division right now? Boy, Jordan Love just had the best game of his career inside US Bank Stadium. The uh the Bears are chanting Justin Fields' name at Soldier Field as they put a 20-point whooping on somebody. Like it is, like, as you're sitting there watching the Packers rack up 10-point lead, 17-point lead, three-touchdown lead, you're thinking, what is our place in this division? And that's going to be a discussion for us for the next well, nine months, obviously. Yeah, and last night is hard to swallow, too, because, one, it's the Packers. So, like, it, it's one thing. It sucks if the Chiefs come in and kick your ass, which, by the way, they didn't do. But if they do, it's like, okay, that sucks. It's embarrassing. But this is the Packers. So, like, and and by the way, the Packers also had – Injuries as well. So it yeah. wasn't like it was a 100% healthy Packer team against a Vikings team that was depleted. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think you're watching last night, but though here, here, so yes, Kirk is out. There are plenty of excuses that I'm sure will be made elsewhere about this, but you know what it's like disturbing to watch last night and it's sad and it's not his fault. He's just old, but Harrison Smith, who aside from that, that game against uh, in Carolina, when he was unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, that was a turn back the clock game for Harrison Smith. But other than that, he's had a pretty rough year. And last night, you know, he's throwing his helmet against the bench. I think it's partially because he's mad at himself because he can't make plays that he once did. And no. that, that to your point, is the problem of when you see that, you are thinking, are we going to try to run this back again? Like, are we going to bring all these guys back? Are we going to lose guys and then keep old guys? You know, so I do. I think you bring up a very valid point of it goes well beyond injuries. There are just question marks and this is the price you pay for being competitive all the time 
you never get the chance to take a breath and retool. And yep. that's sort of the Vikings in a nutshell. And there are, there's a lot of, even if, and again, it's like there's a game left and they still have a mathematical chance to get to the playoffs, I guess. And we can go over those scenarios this week, but it do, it did feel like the shutting of the door on the season in a big way. I don't know how it couldn't last night. And it does open up questions about Harrison Smith is the next cornerstone veteran in line for that uncomfortable conversation that Eric Kendricks was in, Adam Thielen was in, right? All these guys. Um, and you watch that game and like Harrison Smith can still play a little bit, but he's, he's literally taking up, I think the fifth highest cap hit on the team, I want to say, or maybe even higher than that. And the next year it jumps up again. Like it's another contractual, uncomfortable conversation. Yes. At some point, at some point, like you have to move on from him too, just like you did the others. And you're going to look back at this last three or four years and you're probably going to wonder, was it all worth going the extra year or two with these legacy Vikings players to keep clawing and scratching? Or would you have been better off getting ahead of the age curve and getting a third round pick for a guy three years ago? Right? Like, do you, are you cool with just like being competitive in December, sometimes January, or would you rather make some uncomfortable decisions? And like, so by the way, the uncomfortable decisions they might have to talk about, and this is going to, there's going to be some Vikings fans that hear what I'm about to say and probably never listen to this podcast again. But the real uncomfortable conversations are, okay, if we aren't close to winning a Super Bowl right now, can we get out in front of this, get draft capital, get our cap in order by trading guys like Justin Jefferson? Or you brought up Christian Darisoff, for instance, right? Which, again, I'm not, like, advocating for those things. But right, a lot of things should be on the table as you look at your your place in this division the next three to five years. And last point off this, but I think with the Wilfs, and I blame, and look, it's not blame because they want to be competitive. It's hard to be, be like, well, you're a moron. You you want your team to win. But where I think the Wilfs don't necessarily understand what they want, and I do think it's them. Like, I think they're the common de- denominator from Spielman to Quazy. I think if Quazy, given his background, I got to think that if you just g- gave him a blank piece of paper and said, you know, your choice, he would make moves. Uh, but I also think when your bosses are like, no, we, you know, we, we love Harry, keep Harrison Smith. Um, but the other thing that we don't really think about, and I think the, the Wilfs don't think about Phil is this one too. When you do what the Vikings are doing, like as far as trying to run things back and keep guys, you remove any margin for error. And by that, mm-hmm. for instance, last night, so Harrison Smith is probably winding down a potential Hall of Fame career, okay? So, like, this should not be an embarrassment of, well, now you're washed up and you suck. Like, you're right. It's a delicate conversation. But this now means that the failure, if you wanted a safety in the Kyle Hamilton year and didn't take him, that failure is colossal now. Like, because he would step in. I mean, he is a game-changing player right now. Mm-hmm. So, so like, that's the thing, too, is if you don't accrue a ton of picks, so, like, you got to get picks right. That's the issue. That draft now absolutely kills you because yep. you didn't. And, and Phil, look at look at last night, the lack of depth. I mean, Andrew Booth Jr., who was, what, a second-round pick, comes in late, tries to start a fight in the postgame, yeah. um, all of that stuff. But because you don't have a ton of picks, you can't – that miss kills you. Well, and it, it would be nice if after almost two full seasons, if Lewis Seen could, I mean, there was at one point, Lewis Seen was like walking off the field after one of the kickoffs, or I think it was uh, 
pretty sure it was a kick. Maybe it was punt coverage, but he was like, like the 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 rest of like the the defense came onto the field and he's just like moping off the field. It's like that that's him right now. That is your first round pick, right. successor to Harrison Smith. He can only get on the field on special teams, and he's just kind of got weird body language and like there's reasons why they're not putting him in the game as an actual defensive player. But all right, let's let's get back into the uh, hottest takes track here because I want to give you my hottest Vikings take, which is. Jaron Hall should be celebrated for one of the most impactful quarterback performances in recent <laughs> Vikings history. So hear me out on this. This was another great loss for the long-term future and success of the Vikings. And Jaron Hall, by being completely unprepared and ready, and I'm not, you know, some of it was probably coaching and whatnot, but sure. Jaron Hall was the heartbeat of that performance last night, the, that atrocious, offensive, embarrassing performance. He was so bad, they wouldn't even let him start the third quarter. And Kevin O'Connell has given Dobbs leeway and Mullins leeway. Okay, go back out there, but uh, be careful with those interceptions. Like, he didn't even want to see Jaron Hall for a third quarter. This team has been going nowhere since the Pastronauts rocket ship landed like a month ago, right? And I know there was, there was actually, it's funny because there was some hope. Kirk goes down. Oh, my God, season's over. Dobbs comes in after Jaron Hall's concussion. They score 31 points. They put up 27 against the Saints. And there was like a glimmer of hope there after that Saints game that, oh, man, okay, yeah, he's kind of reckless, but this is interesting. They're scoring points. They've, they're averaging almost 30 points with backup quarterback. But then once they started losing games, Dobbs gets benched. Mullins comes in. Like, any sane fan, I think, saw this. There's no way. Like, even if they get to the playoffs, they're going to get smoked in the first or second round. So... Three straight losses now. They go from 22nd to 12th in draft order, thanks in large part to Jaron Hall last night. If they lose to the Lions next week, they're going to draft almost certainly 9th, 10th, or 11th. So a loss to the Lions makes it likely, more likely than not, that they have a top 10 draft. It's a good loss. Yep. So they will, have, they will have lost the last month's worth of games going from 22nd potentially to 9th or 10th in draft order. And it's a team that desperately needs an answer at quarterback long-term and edge rusher long-term and short-term because Daniil Hunter is your only viable edge rusher. Some people might say DJ Wanham, that's fine, but dude, he wrecked himself for that injury and he's a free agent. Yeah. And I would argue he's not necessarily a high-end edge rusher. He was a good player, but Agreed. who knows what's going to happen now going forward, right? Yep. So... Knowing all that, right, where the Vikings have gone the last month, 22nd in draft order to probably ninth or 10th if they lose to the Lions, and knowing what they need, which is a solution at quarterback and an edge rusher of some kind, and there's other positions too. You could say like a big physical cornerback. According to Tankathon right now, their big board, the top 15 college players, uh, according to Tankathon's aggregate, those top 15 include three franchise quarterbacks, three high-end edge rushers, and two shutdown cornerbacks. So you've got your pick. You might not get the best quarterback off the board, but you've got your pick of like the positions you need to change your franchise going forward. If yeah. you stay at ninth or 10th, you can even trade up if you want to. You'll have access to those things. Thanks in large part to Jaron Hall being terrible in the first half last night. And this opens up uh, such an interesting conversation too, because now the question is, as I told you on Ventline last night, I think with the way this team tracks, I think they're going to re-sign Kirk and draft a defensive player because 
that's a plug and play. And then you are immediately, you know, in, at least in your mind, you spike back up. Right. But, and I mean, th this is an entire episode, but there's a very good case to be made that you let Kirk go. You draft a quarterback, right? Like, let's say at eight, let's say you move up, who knows, eight or mm -hmm. nine. Um, you probably take a step back, but if you like the quarterback, you've got him and, and you've got him on a rookie contract. Like this is where it's so intriguing. And this is where I think that there is so, Phil, there's such an interesting crossroads here, right? For, for Quazy, for O'Connell, and probably most importantly for the Wilfs, the crossroads is this. Do you take a player on defense who's going to help you immediately and bring back a guy who's coming off an Achilles and still, I mean, I think he's fine, but he's going to be 36 in August. Or do, or if you take a quarterback, you're probably allowing Kirk, Kirk to walk away. Because I don't know that you would bring back Kirk except the fact that you're not improving your team and then sit the rookie quarterback. Well, yeah, and the timing of this too. It's like if you have to make the decision on Kirk in March – but how many other teams are going to be willing to give him like 30 or $40 million several months before he's ready to actually step on a football field. So the, the timing of this is all going to be yeah, super so, interesting. Yep. But I just think, and they, and they, of course, in classic Vikings fashion, it couldn't just be that, Oh, Kirk goes down and they lose a bunch of games. They have to like rise up from the dead and win a couple in, in retrospect, some of the wins they racked up were just pointless they they could yep. they could literally have like the fifth overall pick with a chance to trade up to three or something if they wanted to. But but I will say having the ninth or tenth pick is so much more of a franchise changer potentially than the twenty second pick. Not that you can't find good players in the twenties. I mean, hell, the Vikings have found Christian Derrissaw and Justin Jefferson. Like they have found cornerstone players there too. But th there's a reason why. I just think like too on on the trade front too. If you want to move up to get let's say a Jaden Daniels, moving from twenty second to fourth or twenty second to fifth is almost impossible. You'd have to give up probably three future, two future first, maybe more. Right. Moving up from ninth or tenth to fourth or fifth, if one of those guys drops, might be one future first and something. And now you're giving up less capital. Um, one last thing on this, and we can get to a pie chart, but. Because I hear the pushback from people. Well, wait a second. Drafting higher doesn't guarantee anything. Well, of course not. Just like sneaking into the playoffs with your fourth quarterback doesn't. I mean, it guarantees a beatdown in San Francisco at some point. But right. we're not like we're not talking about guarantees. We're talking about probabilities here. And drafting higher gives you access to better players, especially when you're talking about edge and quarterback. And yes, the Vikings found Neil Hunter. They found Everson Griffin in later rounds, but. You're better. You have a better chance of finding your stud edge rusher, top ten, top twelve pick, than yeah. taking a flyer in the third round. And don't give me Daniel Hunter because that is an anomaly. Just like Brock Purdy is an anomaly, Tom Brady is an anomaly. But I went back and found the top twelve picks, like uh, where the Vikings have drafted in the top twelve, which is where they are right now. Mm -hmm. The last twenty five years, it's a great list of names. People love to point out Christian Ponder being a dud and a bust, and we have Christian Ponder post-traumatic stress syndrome around here. But here are the players, the nine players the Vikings have drafted with a top 12 draft pick in the last 25 years. Dante Culpepper, one of the best quarterbacks in franchise history until the knee blew out. He was electric. He was the second-best quarterback in the league at one point behind Peyton Manning in 2004. Mm -hmm. Bryant McKinney was one of the best left tackles for a long stretch in the NFL. Kevin Williams, ring of honor. Troy Williamson, dud. That was part of the Randy Moss trade. 
Adrian Peterson, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Christian Ponder, dud, but it didn't cripple the franchise. They actually won the division with Christian Ponder. Just he was in the passenger seat for that division title in 2012. They had a couple weird years after that when they had to kind of move off Ponder. But like two weird, so division title with Ponder, despite Ponder, two kind of weird seasons, not train wrecky, but transition from Frazier to Zimmer. Boom, right back to 11 wins, 13 wins, best defense in the league, right? Matt Khalil, people say bust. Before the knee injury, Matt Khalil was actually on a pretty nice track. And then the knee hit and he was never the same player. Anthony Barr was a top 12 pick, four-time Pro Bowler, key part of the best defense in the NFL in 2017. And Trey Waynes was a top 12 pick. Trey Waynes was a good, solid NFL starting cornerback. So by my math, out of the nine picks they've had in the top 12 the last 25 years, two of them are busts, Christian Ponder and Troy Williamson. You're going to get some busts in there. Seven of the nine are guys that were either Ring of Honor players, Hall of Famers, perennial pro bowlers or very, very good high-end starting players. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about that too, is that the Williamson pick, which as you said, came in the Moss trade was also the, the danger of forcing a pick because they're, they're like, yeah. who's the best wide receiver who can replace Moss. Hey, this guy's really fast. Uh, there wasn't a lot of really, I think deep thought given to that pick. The ponder pick was the uh, uh, what? 2000. 11 2012 draft around there and that was the musical chairs quarterbacks picks uh you know jake locker was in that draft and you look at that i, I think blaine gabbert was in that draft and so Newton. so the most important thing is not to force a pick but to what you said in if you have a top 10 pick you're going to a you're going to a a, a, uh, a four or five star restaurant like there's going like the menu is pretty damn good so odds are that you should be in much more of a position. I mean, I'm, if you get outside the top 10, that changes. But if you're in that top 10, like let's say they draft ninth, you're in a pretty prime position to dine very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I will continue to say this. Part of the reason why you hired O'Connell was to find a quarterback. So, so like if you're like, well, it's going to be Ponder, they're going to screw this up. Well, then you shouldn't have hired him. Which I'm not, which I'm not anywhere near saying yet. So, and I, I know that there are people who are down on, on him. Some of his stubbornness and the play calling and the fundamental game planning did bug me, but that does not mean I want him fired. But I also want to give him a chance to identify and find his quarterback, who, by the way, is not a backup, but is a guy who is, you know, perhaps a top 10 draft pick who he can develop. Like, that's what we have to see before we get scared of anything. We have to trust that this guy can follow through on being sort of a quarterback whisperer and identify that guy. And if he has a pick of, let's say, three of them, the odds shoot up that he can get the right one for him. But here's the other thing, too. Let's say you decide, let's say the first three picks are quarterbacks and you think there's a line. And now it's like, ah, man, we feel like we're reaching for the fourth guy with our ninth overall pick or our tenth overall pick. Okay, keep building your car. Go take the best edge rusher. Go take the Alabama kid. Go take the Florida, that Jared Verse, the Florida State kid. Go take one of the two best edge rushers with the 10th overall pick. Or trade back a couple spots. Get an extra third-round pick. Take the take a cornerback. That change. It, just, it allows you so much leeway and maneuverability. And then you get another top 10 pick in the second round. 
And so maybe that's where you find, maybe Michael Penix falls into the second round, just like Jalen Hurts fell into the second round, right? Mm -hmm. And now you've taken the best edge rusher. You take the Alabama kid or the Florida State kid to solidify your, your edge rushing situation. And in the second round, you snag a quarterback that you could sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year. I mean, just as opposed to picking 22nd, where now you're right. like, oh, man, you. if we want access to a quarterback or, an, or a top edge rusher, not that you can't find a starter late in the first round. I'm not right. saying that. It just it unlocks so many possibilities for you, especially with this team clearly going nowhere since the, the Kirk Cousins injury. So I, uh, I do have a pie chart of blame for you after we shout out our friends. It is January 1st today, which means a lot of people are going to be looking to lose weight and mm -hmm. uh, clean it up and get in the best shape of their lives, Judd. And that, that is where my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers come into play because they are going to help you drop those unwanted pounds. And they, they not only are going to do that, but their dietitians and nutritionists are going to help you keep that weight off. And that is obviously the most important thing. Join today, by the way, and get your first three months for free. That's right. Ring in the new year with savings. Can you imagine three months for free? You're going to lose a ton of weight and, and you're going to do it with a three-month free plan, and you're going to see the results that you can get. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-LIVIA.COM. L-I-V-E-A-LIVIA.COM. Also, our friends at Federated Insurance, ringing in the new year here and looking to help your business. If you're looking for a New Year's resolutions, how about partnering with Federated and elevating your business through risk management? That's where Federated comes in, like a great offensive line for your business uh, with a corporate culture grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. These four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all of their interactions and decision-making as a company and with their partnership with your business. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines, and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Okay. All right. High chart time. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six slices of pie here, and we'll start with a couple small ones. 5% to shirtless Kirko chains. That's right. Whoa, what? Shirtless Kirko chains gets 5% pie chart to blame here. Okay, he comes in. He's going to blow the horn. He's got his chains. He's flexing the abs. He's got his kid out there. And the Vikings come out and lay an absolute egg in that first half. So this inspired, and the fans were inspired. Clearly, his teammates yeah. were not inspired. He's not the leader. I mean, you said it. That's I what didn't you're saying. Say I'm He's just not the leader of the team. Is what I'm not ready saying. to they go that him. far yet. They saw no shirt, and they're like, we're out of here. I don't know. So, something something wasn't jiving there, okay? Kirk comes out. I don't know if the players didn't see it. They're getting ready for the kickoff. But Kirko clearly didn't inspire his teammates the way that maybe we thought when we were watching him come out there. The surprise saying, uh, blowing up the Are you saying horn. Justin Jefferson saying one thing and thinking another? Is that what you're telling me? Like, he's saying all the right things, but he's like, what's that dude doing with no shirt on? I'm a, I, I don't, what a I goof. don't know about this. I don't goof. know about Go back this. to Kohl's, Kirk. He's, he's, what he's, he's not a leader. So I'm just saying, like, right. you come out and you, you, know, you, you give the inspiring, uh, you know, the flexing, the chains, everything, and your team lays You're right. The place went. Kirko. 
the stadium erupted. So mm -hmm. it certainly wasn't a fan thing. Uh, 5% to Daniil Hunter. He, I don't think he's made any or many of our pie charts this season, but none of mine, just kind of a, kind of a ghost for three hours last night. He's been largely great this season. I'm still very interested in bringing him back on a two or three year contract. We'll see where that negotiation lands, but man, when you needed a guy to kind of get after Jordan love in your home building against a, an inexperienced still quarterback, it's still his first full year as a starter. And, he only had three tackles. Um, I don't have the pressure numbers yet, but he just I didn't I didn't see him flash a whole lot last night. Okay, that's an interesting point. I think we should delve in, into that a little bit because I don't disagree with you, but it also that's very rare. Like the fact that he's on this is mm -hmm. I think it's the first time that he's been on a pie chart of blame, maybe in forever. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's ever been included before. So we we got into a debate last night about the word I used of quit because I thought the defense quit. The the offense I thought was incompetent. Um, but I wonder if what you're alluding to with Hunter as well is this, okay? The defense can say all they want, but they're watching Jaron Hall, right? And they're watching what O'Connell wants Jaron Hall to do. And if Judd Zolgad knows it's damn near impossible, then guys that play football know a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. I wonder if last night became all about business decisions. If you're Hunter, you're a pending free agent. If you go balls to the wall last night, okay, you're you're taking some risks. There's no question about it. You know, every time you play as hard as you possibly can, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he doesn't take a risk by suiting up. He does, but for him to be included, you know, I wonder if he watched the first part of that game and he's like, "Oh my God, we're not. No, I mean we can't do anything here. Scoring wow. point because the whole defense, if you think about it, Phil, just sort of peeled off eventually." And I was thinking about why did I think they quit? And then the more I thought ab about it, I want, you know, I got the impression that as that game progressed and they watched that, that game, that they're like, we, unless we score like 21 points as a defense, which you're not going to do, we're screwed. But I, I think love... it's interesting that you included him because I don't disagree, but I also don't think that he all of a sudden just suddenly didn't care. Like, I think something was working. Yeah, here, Sp at work spicy Judd in the new year calling this defense out for quitting and making business decisions. I think the bit, I would say business is if you put business decisions under the quitting umbrella, which you could make a strong case for, there were some, there were some business decisions. I feel like there's a couple like runs after the catch that didn't make a lot of sense by the Packers. So I, I could maybe get like you're you calling out a really good player who almost always you'd never feel like he's not giving his all. Yeah, and I'd have to go back and uh, I'd have to go back and watch with that eye to say what you're saying, which is that he made business decisions. Yeah, I'll, I'm just saying I'll, I'm giving him five percent for just not doing anything meaningful yeah. in the game. There's two games left. You're watching that game, and you're watching Jaron Hall. And by the way, you've now watched weeks of Dobbs, who started to be absolutely yeah. ineffective, and uh, Mullins, who handled the football like it was a grenade into Jaron Hall, who was overwhelmed. You know, if you're about to become a free agent and you've had injury problems and you're not a young man, might you say, you know, I could go really hard here, but if I tear up my, my knee, what's the point? I get it. I do get that. I'm just throwing it out there. There's, it's a brutal sport, so I'm a, not blaming people. Well, it all starts with sort of a hopeless... There, There is, and again, Alex Boone is... I mean, we you, obviously, we never played NFL football, and Alex Boone has said numerous times that they're, you can only sort of like rally around a quarterback 
so much until you all look around the room and you're like, we're screwed. Right. And when an actual guy comes in, Sam Bradford was sort of that feeling for one of the Alex Boone Vikings teams where not that Bradford was the best quarterback in the league, but this dude comes in, he's six foot four. He's the former number one overall pick. He spins the ball in his hand like a franchise quarterback. Hey guys, <laughs> chewing gum, you know, like yep. there's that feeling that you get. This yep. team probably doesn't get that feeling when Josh Dobbs shows up wide eyed. Oh God, I'm on my 14th team in three years, whatever. Like, you know, Jaron Hall, I'm sure I'm not saying his teammates don't like him, but there's a little bit of a deer in the headlights factor. This is this dude really does he really feel like he's going to command this ship? Right. And if you're a teammate, you probably sense that. And one thing leads to another. And you, you saw what you saw last with him. Night. Like like you you know way more, you know, just the team getting off to a slow start or or bad start is disheartening, but you've also watched practice all week. You've been yeah. there all week, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm i just saying I, I was giving more thought to what I saw or didn't see, and I do think that there's probably something to be said for a resignation of I don't want to get hurt either. Uh, 10%. So now the, the third slice here of six, 10% goes to Brian Flores. And I, I feel like he's a, he's like a victim of his own success in that this defense was never supposed to chart top five in scoring and yardage, which it did like two weeks ago. So he builds this thing up bigger than it was supposed to be. And it's looked rickety late in games the last month. And then it looked rickety for three hours last night. So he does get 10% for just getting smoked. <laughs> like his his scheme got worked last night yep. by Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but he only gets 10% because, again, like he's taken a in, – in, he's literally taking pieces that – like Josh Metellus was a special teams player without really – he's kind of a safety kind of not. Boom, you're the queen on the chessboard now. One true edge rusher into Neil Hunter. Really like Harrison Phillips and a bunch of random dudes up front. And he took all of that – Ivan Pace, undrafted free agent rookie with the green dot as your starting linebacker in the absence of Jordan Hicks. Like, he took all of that, made it a top five defense. And now it's funny because now people go so far the other way. Look, this defense, look, oh, you know, it's like, well, we're comparing it to the ridiculously, impossibly high bar that he set that nobody ever thought he could. So I'm, I'm dinging him, but I'm also still big picture praising him for the work that he's largely done this season. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a testament to two things. I think, one, it's a testament to the fact that that this is a group of players who, if they're not on their game, are going to get burned. Like, it's not – because this goes back to the personnel's not great. Um, you do not have – you know, you don't have that big uh, nose tackle, defensive tackle. So, like, an a guy like Aaron Jones is at times – guys like that are going to have really good games rushing. Um, I think what I think there's an interesting conversation actually off of your point though when it comes to one guy in particular, Byron Murphy Jr. Definitely not a PFF darling. Got dinged for things, mm-hmm. but we've seen the last two games how thin this team is a corner without him. Yeah, like like I think way beyond grades. If you just go back and watch games, Murphy might you know certainly not perfect. Certainly not not a guy who's going to make a ton. But I think we also saw, case in point, now, these last two games, if you take a guy that played the outside corner and then the slot corner on a starting basis out, the corners on this team, and again, this comes back to a guy like Booth, who needed, who needs to be, you know, Andrew Booth needs to be good, and he can't even play for the most part. Um, that's the other thing, is we've seen how 
Flora's sort of seamlessly used parts and got the most uh, from them. And they might not have graded out great from PFF, but it turns out that they were pretty damn key parts of the. Yeah, the whole sometimes and, it's funny because there's been some Vikings defenses under Zimmer at the end, and even last year under Donatel, where like the grades are really good on the individual players, but the sum of the defense is bad. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's sort of the inverse with this. But I'm going to give 20% to the entire Vikings secondary for what happened last night. Broken coverages everywhere the entire game. Even like some of the big plays had broken coverages. Then there was like two big plays that should have been touchdowns that nobody was within 10 yards. And they're just lucky. That might have been statistically the best game of Jordan Love's career. He's had a couple other sort of 240, 253 touchdowns. He had a couple early in the year. Yep. But um, in terms of like 73% completions or 75% completions, 253 touchdowns, barely scratched in terms of pressure. Mm-hmm. So your secondary just allows free running wide open receivers all over the place. Uh, a, a backup tight end to be running free for the better part of three hours. And they didn't even have some of their top weapons. I mean, their top receiver was out last night. So secondary, not good. Uh, 25%, so two slices left, 25% to Kevin O'Connell. And I'm going to, I'm going to zero in on something specific here. It's 25%. And I'm going to say all of it specifically for the lack of a running game this season. That was a game last night. And I get it. Game flow. We talked about this on vent line. You fall down early. You're down 10, nothing. You're down three scores. You're going to get into pass mode but they called three times as many passes as runs in that game with a fifth round rookie quarterback and a reckless diet Brett Favre in the second half, Nick Mullins. So now he might come back and say, well, what are we supposed to do? We're down 24 to three or whatever it was. And I get that. But if you want to zoom out beyond last night's game for a second, the Vikings are now 27th in rush yards per game and 25th in yards per attempt. Both of those marks are worse than last year's rushing offense. They signed Josh Oliver, the best run-blocking tight end in the NFL, and he's been good at that job. And they decided, especially early in the season, we're going to run more heavy personnel. They came out of the gate against Tampa. Extra fullback, extra tight end. Yep, we're going to smash mouth, pound it. And they are worse as a running offense in rush yards per game and yards per attempt than they were in 2022. So, like, that was a classic game last night where it's a home game. You're playing the Packers. It's it's probably going to be closely contested. You're starting, again, a fifth-round rookie out of BYU that's probably not fully ready for this. Pound the ball down their throats, and they, they don't have that gear, apparently. The two things that I would mandate from KOC in, in the coming months for 2024 are this. You got to have a run game. Like you can't, you can't not, you can't just punt on the run game and you have to have a screen game. And it's weird because I'm sure he is a, you know, he, he is a Shanahan disciple. So it's not like he doesn't know these things. Yeah. And, and, and again, yes, as I said on Ben line, you don't have Debo. Okay. I get that. Debo's an extremely, extremely talented player, but in, in a game like last night, how is there nothing short to Addison or Jefferson? Like you're running those guys on deep routes and I'm, I'm all for that occasionally, but you know, no offense is going to hit guys deep consistently. No one expects that. Mm-hmm. Where is uh you know, uh, I, I think it was third and 15 Addison was probably 20 yards downfield and 
Jaron Hall stepped up in the pocket and airmailed the ball because yep. he's not that good yet. But that was one of the worst throws I've ever and that, seen. And that's a great play call for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. But okay, it's third and 15, third and 16. What's wrong with an eight yard pass? Like like the checkdowns that go to Munt, right? The checkdowns that go to t- tight end. I'd far prefer that goes if that ball is in Jefferson's hands because at least I give him a fighting chance to get the yardage. Like yeah. this is this is where I'm very confused by a philosophy. It's almost like O'Connell was told or heard what we talked about for years with Zimmer, which was, dude, you can't be in third and nine consistently. And so he's decided, okay, I won't be. I'm just going to forget about the run game. It's like we never asked for that. Yeah, it's so it's funny. Yeah, yeah, under yeah under Mike Zimmer, it was like it was very much, and we looked up some of the data on this. It was a run, run, pass, very predictable, sequenced offense. And they would go when they got any lead, they would lean even further into running the ball. And and so what we were asking, let's open this thing up a little bit. They've gone too far. It's like not to like bring the twins into this because I know there's a lot of Vikings fans that don't give a rip about baseball. But for years we complained, you know, with the Terry Ryan front offices. Boy, the twins are like way behind in the analytics race. They don't pay attention. They don't have an analytics department really. The twins need to just get into modern baseball and lean more into analytics. So they hire a front office that only looks at analytics for a stretch yeah. of time where they're pulling p- pitchers who are lights out after 82 pitches in five innings. Like, okay, is there a middle ground here somewhere? And it's funny because there are some teams in the league that are bad at running the ball and still find ways to win a bunch of games. I mean, the Jaguars, the Jaguars lost like a month's worth of games with hobbled Trevor Lawrence, but the Jaguars are one of the worst teams at running the ball. The Buccaneers might win their division. They are the worst team at running the ball. Uh, the Raiders and Saints have hung around the Bengals in the playoff race. So the, the Texans, although they're still kind of in rebuild transition mode, they're like a year early because of CJ Stroud. So it's not that you can't sneak wins without running the ball. But if you look at the best teams in the NFL, or I'll, let me phrase it this way, the best running teams in the NFL in terms of yards per attempt, Baltimore, Miami, San Francisco, Detroit, and then Arizona is also in here, uh, and Chicago because Justin Fields, just like Lamar Jackson, helps boost those numbers. I don't think you can be competing for a Super Bowl if you're running the ball for three and a half yards of carry and you're bottom five, bottom six in, well, in those key categories. And again, the other problem is you're going to lose your defense because you know what? That Detroit game, you ran, and, and that was a close game. So, because I'm with you. Last night, it got out, out, out of control. So you're going to say, well, we have to pass, Phil, because we have to try to come back. Yeah. But the Detroit game where you ran 11 times, you are continually putting your defense back on the field. And and if your floor is in his defense, you know, you're duct taping that thing together, right? Like you're trying your best. The goal should have never, and I don't think it was, hey, let's become a defensive first team. Your defense overachieved. But yeah. if you're but if you're putting Harrison Smith back on the field continually at his age, Harrison Phillips, who was hurt, but could barely walk against Detroit. And it's like, okay, you know, we tried to pass again. We didn't stop the clock. Now you guys are back out there. You're up. These people are humans. At some point in time, I think you do get them to to say, this is unworkable. Like you need to, it's complimentary football. If you don't play complimentary football, you know what's going to happen? going to bite you in the ass. See, my button bar wasn't working earlier, but you did say complimentary football. Complimentary football, I need it. And then the final slice of pie here on this pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. It's 35% to the Vikings' tattered quarterback situation. I'm just going to put all of I think that is the biggest reason why this season has gone off the rails. So Jaron Hall, 
Although I am glad that they played him. He did his duty, which is make sure the Vikings get back into the top 10 uh, draft pick mix. So, Jaron Hall, nice job last night. But clearly not ready to lead an NFL team that aspires to be a playoff team. Uh, Nick Mullins is just like generic label Brett Favre. And Josh Dobbs has played for two-thirds of the teams in the NFL. The big catch-up that just says catch-up? Yes, it's like when you go i take uh, allergy meds like allegra and so you can either buy allegra or you can buy like the other purple top bottle at the pharmacy (laughs) that's nick mullins that's pretty much nick mullins (laughs) so i don't know like we we sit here and we and yes there are things to nitpick and and you have shined a light on some of this stuff with kevin o'connell i don't know how many coaches are going to take that collection of quarterbacks and score more than like 20 points a game which in the post-Kirk Cousins era this season, the Vikings were averaging, they were at 20 and a half points a game going into last night. They're at, so after last night, they only scored 10. So they're down to a 19 points per game in the post-Kirk era. Mm-hmm. They were 21 and a half with Kirk those first few games. So it's not that, it's it's 19, including last night, versus 21 and a half. Now, it would have been more like 25 or 26 points a game if not for the like four or five turnovers on the goal line. So um, so I think you have to consider that. But I just don't – I don't know how many – and you might point to Kevin Stefanski, who's been on four quarterbacks in, in Cleveland. But Joe Flacco, that's – to me, that's that's rippable that the Vikings decided, you know, Joe Flacco, he's been collecting dust there on his couch, and he hasn't been good for a long time. So, like, I get what they were seeing. But at the end of the day, it is your job as a front office and scouting staff to find the best option off a couch somewhere – and they chose Josh Dobbs over Joe Flacco. So you can, we can praise Kevin Stefanski. Well, he, he brought a team with four quarterbacks to the playoffs. Well, yeah, he also has like a former, wasn't Joe Flacco a Super Bowl MVP? Joe Flacco, when given infrastructure, like he's a professional quarterback. Yeah. So, But he had been yeah. bad for a couple, you know, he hadn't played, had been bad. And they, they probably thought, hey, Dobbs is playing. He's starting at least. Flacco's, you know, on his couch. So. I, I think the most important thing for O'Connell at the end of, of the day in, in this entire thing is, and yes, uh, some of this is driven by quarterback play that was bad, but O'Connell likes to say that every turnover has its own story. So, so like you can't just group them together and say, ah, those are, well, the Vikings have 32 this season. It's 32 a lot of stories. turnover. Exactly. And if each one has its own story, I think you need to sit down and figure out what the common denominators were and and the one thing where i will say there's fault here when especially when it comes to that stat is with kirk cousins with justin jefferson this team started one and four so like you were behind the eight ball from opening day on so it's not like like it would have been different if kirk had this team i don't know take take your pick but he gets hurt they're in great shape and then it falls apart okay it falls apart that sucks but you lost kirk cousins but that wasn't the story like there's a lot to be learned as much as we, as much as the pundit said last year was a fluke, 13 wins, but you shouldn't have won 13 games. Um, and you, you breathe the sigh of relief, got to the playoffs and got bounced. I think this time around, there's a lot to be learned. I think there's a lot of stories to be learned, gleaned from, and that starts with O'Connell. And, and that starts with what can he learn as a play caller and as a coach? Cause I think he's got a lot of things, right? Yeah. I like how he runs his team. I like how he runs his program in football speak. Oh, wow. But all of that being said, I also think that there's a lot to be gleaned whether Kirk is back at quarterback or not. Uh, interesting thing on the turnover stat. So 
The Vikings, you said, have 32 turnovers. The only team in the NFL with more turnovers is the aforementioned Cleveland Browns. So you got both these teams, and yeah. of course, you're gonna if you're gonna start a combined what eight quarterbacks between the two, you're probably gonna have more interceptions, strip sacks, just miscommunication. You're, I get it. I get why those teams, the Jets, have 32 turnovers. The Commanders, when you have quarterback instability and or young guys and experienced guys, you're going to turn the ball over more. But you know what the Browns also have on the flip side? 43 more rushing first downs than the Vikings do this year. Yeah, yeah. And they have, in terms of rushing touchdowns, so think red zone. Vikings have struggled in the red zone, right? Yep. The Browns this season have 15 rushing touchdowns. The Vikings have seven. So 43 extra rushing first downs and eight extra rushing touchdowns compared yep. to the Vikings. Do you think the story is different? Because I, I do think that there's a conversation to be had about a player Cleveland signed that the Vikings did not, but I don't think it's Flacco. Do you, and, and this Darius? No. Not Zedarius. Kareem Hunt, who, yes, okay. has who has a checkered past. And, and I, I know that the Vikings were concerned about that. But if you recall, they brought Kareem Hunt here during training camp. And they could have signed him. Now, I don't know O'Connell dedicates himself to the run game like Stefanski did. So perhaps it's a non-starter. But all I'm asking is if they have Kareem Hunt, if they have a, a more established run game from day one that O'Connell feels like he can trust, is the story different at all, do you think? I mean, I maybe. Don't know so Kareem Hunt is averaging three yards per carry this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, it, so it's basically like Nick Chubb, right? When did he go down? Like September. Early. So yeah, I think super were- early. Jerome Jerome Ford has actually been the guy more than Kareem Hunt that stepped up. He's been he's caught 42 passes for them. Uh, he's averaging a full yard per attempt more than Kareem Hunt is. Mm. And the Browns found him in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. So the Vic- the Vikings found t- was it Ty Chandler was 2022 and then Dwayne McBride 2023. Yes, but part like part of part of this is too the Vikings. Ty Chandler's been I think. He has shown that if you were to have given him the bulk of the carries, there would have been a there there. Yep. But, you know, they just decided to keep leaning on Alexander Madison. So, But there are definitely lessons. The Browns are not the most electric running team. They're certainly not. They're like at 3.9 yards a carry, so they're not like this explosive running team necessarily. But they commit to it because they know there's value in it, and they know that if they keep pounding at that rock in the red zone – on short yardage situations, they're going to move the chains. They're going to get first downs. They're going to score more in the red zone, and they're going to set up some big plays down the field. It's like the Vikings, you know, the Vikings just abandon the running game faster than well, any team in these games. Oh, well, we're down by a touchdown. Let's not run the ball the rest of the afternoon. It's just, it's know. like O'Connell, and, and he's not alone because LaFleur did the same thing at times last night and has a tendency to. Um, it's like they want to show you how smart they are and like, and, and it's like they want style points. Yeah. And I don't think Stefanski cares about that. I think Stefanski's like, how can we win the football game? It might be ugly as hell, but I want to win the football game. And I think guys like O'Connell and that class, which, which is not in the Stefanski, like like they're, they're not in the same peer group. Because I, I think the O'Connell peer group is what? LaFleur, McVeigh, Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kyle's not guilty of this, but I feel like Kevin can be is we don't need to see that you can design these intricate plays. We need to see you, to what you just said, get a first down on third and two. Yeah. 
I'll give you one more. One more here, and then we'll wrap this New Year's episode. We appreciate you guys carving out some hangover time with us on this New Year's Day. On the running front, all right, the Vikings have played 14 one-score games this year, right? Tied for most in NFL history. So they're in close games all the time. Literally every week, they're just in a close game, close game here, close game there. Like last year, yeah. Yep. Yet they rank 28th in rushing attempts. Now, the, there's a couple teams that are right there with them, just below them on this list, like the Commanders and the Jets are here. Well, yeah, those teams are getting their asses kicked every week. Like, what? when have you watched the Commanders and they weren't down like 31 to 10? Oh, the Jets, yeah. And they got to throw passes. And the Jets, you know, I. but it's funny because the Jets should be running the ball more with the quarterbacks that they've been running out there, which is an indictment on Nathaniel Hackett and Robert Sala. But you're the Vikings. Again, you are playing in more close games than any team in the history of the National Football League. And you're playing most of those close games with backup journeymen or rookie quarterbacks. And you are 28th in the NFL in rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. That right there, and 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 maybe they would say, well, if we, if, if we ran the ball eight more times per game, you would see that all of those are two-yard gains, and so that's why we pass, which I would say, okay, but like you planned in the offseason to improve your running game. Right, that's on you. This Agreed. is the most, I think that's the most damning, criticizable thing under the Kevin O'Connell sort of coaching yes. and scheme umbrella yes. right there. And then to, to pile on, you don't have a screen game. Like that's no. the most incredible thing to me. It's like, oh, you know, if they said, you know what, Phil, we don't run great, but look at our screen game, right? Like our screen game gets chunks. Yeah. And like it's the, an like the, C- of the run game. The Seahawks, I think, have kind of been that, right? I don't have the stats yeah. in front of me. The Seahawks don't, they're like 29th in rushing attempts, but it does feel like they have, they've got a couple guys that can get out there and catch passes and yep. what have you. I guess my question is, how are you going to move the ball from a, from a short yardage type of situation? Like, what are you going to do? How can you move the ball? And right now, the Vikings are like, well, we really don't. So. Yep. So, all right. Well, we didn't solve all of the Vikings problems here. We just highlighted a bunch of them. But um, we'll keep you posted on playoff odd stuff this week. But I think most of our conversations are, as you can tell, turning toward how do you get this thing back to where it needs to be? Is that possible in one offseason? Where are they going to draft all this stuff? So thank you guys for hanging out with us here. This is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. See you. Happy New Year.